I would like to say, though, that I would like to see the alternate universe version of Star Wars where William Cat was cast as Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. I would like to see that. I mean, well, then, so would you have Mark Hamill be Tommy? That'd be fine with that. Okay. Okay. I just don't feel like Mark Hamill can, is, can, can go to the dark places that Luke Skywalker needs to go Ooh. very well. Okay. I know. That's, that's sacrilegious. The internet just went poof. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, which meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror section of our local video store in our quest to survive and to ensure we end up as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking them down one by one, geeking out about all of the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hey guys. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We are the first podcast from Indie Popcorn recording at the circus. And this is episode 20. Yes, it is entitled Dirty Pillows. And we're going to be talking about what else? Carrie. From 1976. Brian De Palma. What a film. What a film. Yes. This is, this is, this began it all, right? Yes. And Mm -hmm. this is kind of what made Stephen King, Stephen King, because without this phenomenal film version, which did gangbusters, got Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie nominated for Oscars. Which again, for horror films, like almost never happens. Uh So who knows what would happen if this film had done badly. I know. Or yeah, imagine too, if it wasn't Brian De Palma and it just was kind of, I don't know, like made kind of as a B picture, whatever, Mm -hmm. like would Stephen King be Stephen King? I don't know. Yeah. I love all these alternate realities I know. that just spin off <laughs> that are existing in some other multiverse. We'll never know. Uh, so this is an interesting departure because this film does not take place in Maine. Mm-hmm. This film takes place in North Carolina. Okay. Randomly. Not really seemingly like need- needfully because they don't even really ever mention where they are. They mention they're going to Bates High School. Get yeah. it? Yeah. Bates. But, uh, but not, not set in Maine. Huh. Mm, strange, mm. Brian De Palma. Maybe because it was like so dark for Stephen King. I was like, I need the story out of my state. It's just too much. No, the, bo- the book took place, takes place oh, in Maine. Oh, it does. Oh, oh I thought yeah. you were saying the book takes place oh, no. outside the of... the book took place in Maine. Of course it does. The, so the movie does not. interesting. I don't know why. Hmm. Also, okay, so this is my always my big beef with... So this movie's great, and I and no no disrespect to Sissy Spacek because she does a fucking awesome job. But... But in the book, Carrie is supposed to be fat. Mm. That is part of why they hate her. And that Mm -hmm. is part of like a really big part of this film is Mm -hmm. that not only is she, you know, unattractive and weird and has this very religious mother, but she's also fat. Mm -hmm. And they always go away from that and make her thin. Mm -hmm. And and Sissy Spacek's so thin that it becomes like, you know, swings the other way on the pendulum. Right. But um, apparently everybody and their grandmother auditioned for this movie. So some people who were up for Carrie were Linda Blair. Mm Mm-hmm. Farrah Fawcett, Carol Kane, Melanie Griffith, and Glenn Close. Interesting. So Amy Irving, who plays Sue Snell in this movie, was supposed to originally be Carrie, and apparently Sissy Spacek came in and like blew everybody away so much that she actually got demoted to be Sue. Because um, these are like the ones where they do like the, the dual casting, right? Where like Brian yes. De Palma was doing Carrie and George Lucas was doing Star Wars at the same time. So they were like, you pick your people, I'll pick mine. And yeah. So if you can imagine those auditions. I, yeah. Pretty amazing. But like all of those characters, like you think like those actresses, you think about like Farrah Fawcett, what? what? How could she ever play Carrie? Yeah. Like, and she's never gonna let her hair be anything less than fabulous. Uh-huh. So it's it's very interesting that the, that that's always been a thing. And even mm-hmm. all you know, they've been multiple remakes and sequels and stuff, and none of them are very good. And right. it's always like 
a girl who's clearly like just thin and pretty. And I'm yeah. like, that's not the point of the whole thing, you guys. Right. Well, and I think that is kind of interesting, at least in this, ver- I've never seen the other version, so I don't know what else, what they're doing. But I think in this version, it's interesting because it makes it, and you could argue it both ways, whether the character is thin or fat, but so much of it is how she sees herself. Yes. And so obviously the way that Sissy Spacek plays it is that she just thinks she's, nothing everything her mother has always said about her and so she doesn't it doesn't matter almost what Carrie looks like all that really matters I think is that excuse me is that they have that sort of inside thing that's just like no she's terrible I'm terrible everything I do is terrible like nobody will love me nobody will think I'm pretty nobody everything is about ulterior motives sure you know well she's got a psycho for a mom yeah but I think that's what and I don't know what Brian Palmer per se was looking for but I think that is what to me is more quintessential about the character for me anyway than whether or not she is thin or fat is you know having that thing inside where she just totally her identity is totally wrapped in someone else's view of her right. and that someone else just happens to be bonkers. Sure. So, so her mother, uh, who's played by Piper Laurie, uh, is terrifically insane. From the scene one when she comes in, it's just yeah. bonkers. She. Um, so here's something I, I recently learned, uh, that all of her Bible passages... Are fake, right? Are fake. I have heard that, yeah. She's uh-huh. totally just spouting nonsense, right. which is even more terrifying. It is more terrifying, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because they, she sort of does it in this borderline where it is 100% like over the top, but you buy it. Mm-hmm. I definitely buy it. And I think that both of them, they have a great kind of chemistry in this sort of love-hate kind of way that, I don't know, is kind of creepy makes it more creepy because you can see how much they do really they have like tenderness with each other but then also i'm gonna pull your hair across the room and lock you in my crazy religious cupboard and i don't know well it's just you know the perfect example of a character who's just been beaten and cowed by her mother her entire life and that's who she is Mm -hmm. is like she's this kind of like beaten puppy who you see there's like the rage simmering underneath Mm -hmm. but and i think both of them as actresses play it very well where you can tell there's something else going on yeah. underneath and like maybe that thing is going to come out and it totally does. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I also like from the opening shot of this movie, which is tits ridiculous. Um, but this movie, in contrast to maybe some other movies that we've talked about in the podcast, does a great job of really lulling you into a false sense of security. And I think that's really clever because I think if the whole movie was, you know, Carrie, you know, opening shots of just like, oh, stuff's going to go down. Look at her. She's going to be crazy. You know, all this kind of stuff. Instead, it creates these sort of really almost hyper real, beautiful kind of erotic imagery or idealized version of prom or, you know, and this is all very kind of glowy and amazing. And so this is like girls in the shower and it's slow motion and, you know, Carrie's washing herself and all this kind of stuff. And in the scene, Carrie gets her period for the first time and doesn't know what it is and freaks out and everybody is awful to her Mm -hmm. like they just use it as an excuse to make fun of her and it just terrifies her even more and the gym teacher has to come and stop it but it's everything before it is like this beautiful music and it's slow motion and it's just all like oh it's almost like a completely different movie and then she sees the blood for the first time and her eyes go you know she really sells that scene yeah there's a just like the panic in her eyes and she's so freaked out and you have um nancy allen who plays chris hargenson who is one of the worst teenage girls, like, like the worst on human film. Being. She's yeah. so awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and plug it up, 
Plugging I it know, up. it's, it's so just terrible. like so terrible. And also, I don't know if it's like a guy-girl thing at all, but from like a female perspective, that is your intro to what this is, to genuinely be like 16, 15, 16 years old, and you don't know what that is. You're like, I'm bleeding to death, and now everybody's and taunting everybody me. And everybody is taunting me and, say, and throwing things at me, and she doesn't know what those things are. Like, it's just terrifying. And, yeah. the, and that's like your opening gambit you know it's sure. just like oh yeah well geez, this movie. is it's 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 great to think of it from a girl's point of view because i feel like you know so many horror movies are from guys point of views mm-hmm. and this is something that like as a girl the thought of like you're suddenly bleeding and you don't know why and this is a part of like girls lives right. like so but nobody's gonna kindly explain it to you right. you just get taunted and made to feel even more ridiculous and insane and little and and she's, you have uh, uh, Betty Buckley who comes in who is p- playing Miss Collins, who is the teacher. And I really like her character a lot. I love her character in this movie. Um, and she comes in and it's it's this weird feeling of like all of the girls are in this kind of frenzy because you have Sue Snell who like turns out to be kind of a nice person. But in, even she's in there. She gets wrapped up in the sort of mob mentality. And, and Miss Collins comes in and kind of shakes Carrie and slaps her. Yeah. So it's not like a kind, oh, I'm going to like wrap you up immediately and comfort you. It's like first I'm going to slap you. And then I'm going to see what the deal is and like later. Because I also like that I don't think Miss Col- it even occurs to Miss Collins that like that Carrie wouldn't know. She's yeah. like, you're having your period. It's fine. You know, but then she really is processing, oh, this girl has no idea what's happening to her. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, that kind of, because then they have the scene afterwards where she, they're in the principal's office and she's like explaining to the principal and he's like, how could she not know? She's like, she doesn't. She has no idea. And he's like, oh, that religious m- mother of hers and, you know, that kind of starts us down this path. But it's a great, not only just in sort of horrifying situation way to start with, but that, um, the way that sequence is done, I feel like that motif will come up again and again in terms of like, everything's beautiful and starry eyed and wonder. And then it'll all fail spectacularly. Yeah. And I think that's a, a real strength to this film. And we get our first kind of nods that Carrie may have some sort of telekinetic ability. We have, uh, the, one of the light bulbs breaks in the in the bathroom mm-hmm. and then she's in the principal's office and the principal keeps getting her name wrong and she's very frustrated. So finally she yells, it's Carrie and the, the ashtray like falls off of his right. desk. And then when she's walking home and that little kid goes by his bike and he's like, creepy Carrie, creepy Carrie. And then she just looks at him and he falls over on the bike. Um, so there's a lot of that early on. And then don't we also, I think we see Piper Laurie for the first time before we see her with Carrie, right? Is that when she's yeah, she at goes Sue to Snell's Snoop's. mother's house? Yes. And Sue Snell's mother is actually Amy Irving's mother. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Priscilla, what's her name? Pointer. Pris- Pointer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when you see Piper Laurie for the first time in her cape, her amazing cape. And her hair. Can we even talk about the hair in this movie? We're going to, there's some other characters that we're going to come across, but the hair in this movie. Yeah. It's like 1976, a go-go. Fantastic. Just, everyone is putting their fingers in electrical sockets. Like, like, the hair is just... I like when you can tell a, cra- a character's crazy simply by their hair. Mm-hmm. And like you see Piper Laurie like, ooh, yikes. Yowza. <laughs> you know, she opens the door and she has this very big smile on her face, but it's just an insane grimace. Like it's not... Mm-hmm. real it's really really great. yeah and she can't wait to tell her all about jesus and all about these things and, and then you she can just tell tries- that this has been this has happened lots of times before yeah she just comes in your house and be like you have to be saved and yeah you're like, get out of my house please please leave she like gives her money that's yeah. pretty nice not enough money not enough she's money. not happy with that money i don't know if she's even if she's happy about the amount or just that she gave her money instead of listening to the spiel I think it's that she's offended it wasn't enough money. Oh, really? She's okay. like, oh, 10 bucks? Ugh. Oh, okay. I took it as like, I really wanted to tell you my whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather save your soul than have your money. Right. Um, so she's like pretty sad about that. Um, uh, so we see um, 
um, Mrs. White mm-hmm. and Carrie in the house at the first time where Carrie gets locked in her little closet. Because she's like now a woman yes. and that enrages Piper Laurie. Um, who's like, yeah, they're going to come sniffing around all the boys. I mean, she's so bonkers, mm-hmm. so bonkers. And you do get a little bit of the dynamic that will come into play later where Carrie's trying to stand up for herself and <clears throat> the mother is like trying to get her to read passages from the fake Bible that she studies. And she's like, no, no, doesn't want to say it and then makes her say it. And, you know, so she's trying to put up a fight a little bit, but eventually gets locked in the insane closet. And that's where we see the image for the first time that, St. Sebastian, mm-hmm. I think. Pierced um, by arrows. Pierced by arrows. Crucified. Um, that's going to come back later. Yes, it sure will. Yeah. Uh, so Miss Collins, who is the gym teacher, uh, does a really great amount of just like pushing back on these nasty girls. Justice. Miss Collins is about justice. She is. This is why I um, love me some Miss Collins. Because you can t- – like Nancy Allen, like her performance is really incredible. And so she, you hate that character so much. Yeah. And they come into the gym, they line up and... And PJ Souls is amongst PJ them. PJ Souls in her mm-hmm. rainbow hat. Yeah. She wears <laughs> at the hairdresser on top of her curlers Correct. and at the prom, which Correct. I love. And I love, I, I can almost guarantee you, PJ Souls just came in on audition in that hat. I think that's right. I and they were like, just wear that hat for the whole movie. All the time. Character in the hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, but she lines all the girls up right, to be like, what you guys did was awful. It was a shitty thing. It was a shitty thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and Chris is it's chewing gum and she tells her to spit it out. And she says, and Chris says very snotly, where do you want me to put it? She's like, you can choke on it for all I care. Just get it out of your mouth. Nice. Like that's the kind of, kind of teacher you're dealing with who doesn't uh-huh. give a fuck. And he's like, yeah. you guys did a shitty thing and I'm going to make you pun- – I'm going to punish you for that. And I like too that you see the dynamic of where the girls kind of split apart on the carry issue in this scene because the only one who looks like she feels bad about it is Sue. Mm-hmm. Is like PJ and Chris are just whatever, you know, like ugh, annoying as long as I don't miss prom. Right. And Amy Irving's character is the only one that looks really, really bad. Like, you know, like she feels really terrible about what they did. So the punishment they receive is they're going to get a week of Miss Collins' detention, which is like hardcore, like boot camp, gym type stuff. Mm-hmm. Or if they don't go, then it's three days uh, sp- suspension and refusal of your prom tickets. Mm-hmm. So they they go through the first, do- first day until Chris can't stand it anymore and flip, flips out and leaves and wants everybody to get, like trying to get everybody to come along with right. her. Um, and Miss Collins slaps her across the face. So hard yeah, really hard there is a lot of slapping in this movie like we're gonna come to some other slapping later but there is a lot of slapping in this but it's movie. great because krista deserves to get slapped she's yeah. so nasty no she's terrible and she but it's great because she's the ringleader mm-hmm. seemingly but nobody will go with her yeah but it's like nope sorry i'm not missing my prom yeah mm-hmm. and so it just makes her more insane which is interesting because that sort of begins the mechanism of this revenge part that we're going to come to that kind of sets everything up. So Chris Harginson is dating Billy Nolan. Billy Nolan. John Travolta in his first feature film role. It's true. Thanks, Brian De Palma. Uh, and he's in full, like, welcome back, Cotter, like, mode, haircut thing, the whole thing. The first scene that we get with Billy Nolan and Chris Harginson together in a car is a crazy scene. And Chris Harginson is perhaps the craziest person in this film. Like, she goes, yeah. she, like, swings back and forth she calls John Travolta dumb shit and he slaps her across the face and then she's kissing him and pushing him away and kissing him and pushing him away and like and then like going down on him so that he'll agree to do this thing with her. And it's like so manipulative and so crazy. Yeah. And I do and that is also really fun. It's sort of the like, you know, who are the real monsters kind of motif. And she's the most popular girl in school. And because she's just fixated on, like, Carrie ruining her life, even though she's been ruining her own life. She can't go to prom. Right. Um, It's Carrie's fault. I know. Apparently, it's all Carrie's fault. Not that you just don't want to do exercise. Um, 
yeah, that she she enlists him. And I like that. I think there's an interesting contrast between her and Billy and Sue and Tommy, who's okay. William Cat. Um, because as I was watching the movie, Sue and Tommy don't really talk or very minimally talk. Like they're in front of each other's presence a lot, but they say very little. And they have like a lot of pauses where they're looking at each other and smiling at each other. Um, later in the movie, Sue wants Tommy to take Carrie to prom and the sort of like her penance for participating in that shower thing. And whenever they're together, they're just kind of this like, you know, kind of just quiet, like quiet love. And Chris and Billy are just loud. They're just, just screaming loud. at each other. They're screaming constantly. at each other, interrupting each other. There's like nothing really there between them. They're because just like insane together. Clearly, she just he's just with her because she puts out. That's the only reason. And mm-hmm. he's like willing to put up with a ridiculous amount of crazy for that. But also, I think he's as dark as she is because this whole idea, which is just awful, he goes along with. And then part of the idea for the prom revenge that they want is to get a bucket full of blood. And where are we going to get that bucket full of blood? Oh, I know. We'll take our sledgehammer and we'll go to the pig farm. And John Travolta, like, sledgehammers pigs. Yeah. To death. As he's as he's come up to them, he says, uh, my favorite quote from the film, Piggy, here, Piggy. I'm going to bash your little heads in and you don't have to worry about the bomb no more. And then and then they cut back to Chris and she's like, do it, do it, do she's it. Like, she's like whipping herself into this furor. Like they are terrifying. It. So scary. Wow, what a couple, man. Yeah, they are That's something. like Bonnie and Clyde bullshit. Like they're just going to yeah. go off on the lamb and like kill people and have fun. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to get that far. No, definitely not. Um, so then they've got this sort of the whole other side story is that um, Sue does feel really bad about what she's done. So she asks Tommy, her boyfriend, who's played by William Catt, whose hair, again, is just amazing. The most amazing white boy fro ever. William Cat, I find so incredibly charming in this film. Okay. And does such a good job of being like, he's the good kid, but he's really just kind of like laid back and yeah. cool. And like, you could see why everyone would like him. He's not cocky at all. No, not I at really all. He's enjoy. just great. Like he has like a good sense of humor and mm-hmm. finds everything kind of funny. And they, um, in the, there's a class sequence where Tommy has written a poem that the, uh, teacher reads out loud and Carrie says she thinks it's beautiful. Yeah. So when uh, Carrie says no, when he asks her to the prom right. several times, uh, when she finally, you know, he's like, why are you doing this? She thinks it's a joke. Like uh-huh. you can all, you know, it's obviously a trick. Tommy would never want to go to prom with someone like me. Yeah. Um, but then he finally says like, because you like my poem. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. I kind of get that. No. And I mean, he definitely is asking her because Sue asked him to, but I also like that he sees a lot of like, good stuff in Carrie. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he genuinely likes her. And I think that's a lot due to William Cat's performance where he straddles this great line between, you know, it's not like he's really, it's not like he's perhaps falling in love with her or anything like that, but he's having a really good time with her and he wants her to have a good time. In the mm-hmm. beginning, you can tell it's just because Sue's asking him to and I'm like, all right, I'll do this. Like that girl's crazy, but all right. But like he, you can tell that he sees like all this potential in her and it's like, no, no, you're great. You look beautiful. Like don't even... But, you know, and that's that can be a kind of difficult role to play. I think so. I think I think it was really great casting. I think that the the, the movie hinges a lot on his performance I agree. because you want to believe he's not tricking her, mm-hmm. that he really is genuine. And I think you really do get that from him. Yeah. Um, I would like to say, though, that I would like to see the alternate universe version of Star Wars where William Catt was cast as Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. I would like to see that. I mean, well, then, so would you have Mark Hamill be Tommy? That'd be fine with that. Okay. 
I just don't feel like Mark Hamill can is can, can go to the dark places that Luke Skywalker needs to go Ooh. very well. Okay, I know that's that's sacrilegious. The internet just went. Oh. I know, but I'm going to say that. Um, okay, so I would have been interested. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what if you know because if you have this William Katz like kind of levity would have been interesting for Luke Skywalker because he's never he never really mm-hmm. has a sense of humor and like mm-hmm. what if he did what if like things were a little bit funnier to him mm-hmm. that's just my thought okay fair enough fair enough um but that that fro I don't know if he would have been able to keep the fro I like the fro I do too but I just think in Star Wars land they might have had him get rid of the fro maybe everyone's maybe. haircut's pretty space conservative I don't um, know what Mark Hamill's pretty groovy his hair but not William I mean William Cat's hair is outstanding in this movie. I just don't know why he didn't have a bigger career, really. Like, he did, you know, he, he's been in a lot of films, obviously, and did, lot, you know, Greatest American Hero and the whole mm-hmm. bit, but... What's mm-hmm. that? He's still doing movies. Oh, mm-hmm. my producer says he's still doing movies. I'm mm-hmm. sure he is. Yeah. But I feel like he could have gone... He should have been, like, in the stratosphere. I feel yeah. like he, like, knocks this performance no, out he's of really the park. really great. Yeah. And there's a... So there's a sequence where they're getting ready for prom where they go to tuxedo shopping yeah. with his friends, one of whom is wearing a Diamond Dogs t-shirt, which is kind of rad. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little bit that fast forwards yes. a section of their dialogue and I tried to find out what that's about. I couldn't find anything. I think I read that um, th- that whole sequence was improv and they wanted to, they really liked the part that where it was going to and the, the editor didn't want to do a jump cut. So he was like, well, in the fun spirit of it, let's just fast forward to that part for like timing purposes. Um, it's an odd choice. It's a very odd it, choice. It like really throws you out because I'm like, what? What is that? And it is interesting because the sort of the more Again, I think this is meant to lull us into a false sense of security. The levity parts of this movie almost make it feel like it's a different movie. It and feels some of the very music like, is yes, very like after school special. Totally. So there's elements of this movie that feel sort of coming of age, after school special, kind of not that a prom massacre is about to happen. And it 100% is. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my favorite quote from this movie comes from, um, of course, Carrie has to tell her mother that she's going to prom, which does not go over well. Um, and uh, her powers are kind of getting more and more pronounced as it's and going. And it's cool that it's like it's tied in with her period. Like Definitely. her forgetting her first period is like really where her powers are starting to. Mm-hmm. She's becoming a woman. She's getting these powers. It's yeah. All. And there's also a scene in the library where she's looking up like other people that have telekinesis uh, abilities. and um, But... Piper Laurie is really trying to throw her foot down like you are not going and she slams this window down and it kind of really freaks out Piper Laurie and she says my favorite quote where all of a sudden she's not, you know, screaming and hysterical and begging. She's telling her, I'm going mama and you can't stop me and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you go Carrie. I think, yeah, we've talked about Sissy Spacek is amazing in this movie. I also, what I also really enjoy about her character is that she's both sort of our heroine and our villain Mm -hmm. because even though she is the mechanism by which all these terrible things are done she is pushed to it by people who are far far more damaged and worse than she will ever be but she is still doing those things later and that will come later on and i think that's amazing to have in a character where you feel so much empathy and so much and she does some crazy shit at the end yeah. of this movie, you know. But you're, where you're, like, you're kind wow. of on, you're kind of on her side. You're 100 percent on her even side, even though she's she is doing horrific things. And when I watched this movie for the you know for the first time with you, I knew where this was going. Like I knew enough about Carrie to know the problem's not going to end well. And I felt so bad for her, and I really like wanted it to work out. I really want ev- I want Carrie to get everything, even after she's done all these terrible things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's totally credited to Sissy Space Sissy SpaceX performance. Yeah. 
It's not how Stephen King works. No, there not at all. There aren't, there aren't happy endings, really. No. Well, not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, so uh, we do eventually get to go to prom, and we have this uh, amazing 70s prom montage, yeah. which, again, starts with this sort of amazing crane shot, and it just, there's something about it that feels so quintessential high school movie, but there's no foreboding music, mm-hmm. ominous, you know, imagery. Like that groovy band. Yeah, none of that. It's all, there's stars and bright, and it's all sweetness and light. And you right. see them enter and people greet them and people think Carrie looks beautiful and they look like a great couple. And, and there's this uh, really amazing camera shot of uh, when Carrie and Tommy have their first dance. Yeah. Where the camera is like spinning around them and it starts out quite slow and like mm-hmm. just gets faster and faster and faster. And pretty soon you feel like you're like twirling along with them yeah. as they laugh delightfully. I love that shot too because I think it also really builds on the sort of lulling into a false sense of security that the opening prom shot really has. But there's also something very like the dizzying excitement of prom yeah. and the whatever, you know. And again, from for kudos to Brian De Palma, this is so much told from a female girl, female teenage girl's perspective, you mm-hmm. know, female girl, um, teenage those girl's perspective, girls. those female girls, um, a teenage girl's perspective on, you know, things that are very girl, like periods and proms yeah. and boys and whatever. Well, and, and he does a great job of emotionally supercharging all these moments mm-hmm. like they are for Carrie because she's so sheltered. Yes. Um, uh, so, uh, the prom, so, uh, Chris and Billy are hiding underneath the, uh, stage waiting with glee to yeah. pull down the bucket of pig's blood, which they have rigged up previously. Yeah. And the, uh, reveal of that is one of those, I'm a big fan of these long takes, all in ones, incredibly long Brian De your guy. Oh man, he is. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. So there's a great from what that starts with, um, Carrie and Tommy and goes to PJ Souls picking up all the ballots because they're nominated for prom king and queen, which they vote for at prom. And she's collecting all the ballots with another guy. And then they have a quick kiss and she drops her ballots and kicks them under the curtains and he gives her different ballots. Then she drops them off to the teachers and then it pans back by the stage and you see Chris and Billy poking their heads out. And then it goes up towards the cord all the way up to reveal the blood, and as the blood is revealed is when they announce who has won Prom King and Queen, um, and it's Carrie. And they have the ultimate slow motion shot of them beautifully going up to Which takes forever, and again, I love that, because again, Sissy Spacek is like vulnerability in human form, and to see her kind of be like wide-eyed, and this is the best moment of my entire life. This is the best moment of my entire life, and they slowly walk the stage, and... um, go up and she's crowned and kissed and they give her the roses. I mean, he just milks it for all it's worth, you know? He's got it because it's about to go real bad real fast. Yeah, but in a way that I also think he spends more time on it than I think any modern filmmaker really would because I think they'd be more concerned with like pacing and let's move this thing along and he just, the relishing of it, the relishing of her at her apex is brilliant for Mm -hmm. what's about to come. So uh, Sue has come to the prom to watch Tommy? I think I she just wants to check in and see make how sure like everything's make okay. sure everything's going okay. So yeah. she's around the side of the stage and she can feel this rope in her hand start to move and she follows the with her eyes up to the thing, sees the bucket, goes around to see where the other side of the rope is and starts to see Chris and Billy and Miss Collins thinks she's doing something. Yeah. So pulls her away. Which again is all done in slow motion again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have these kind of like crazy cuts of of the of Nancy Allen's hands holding the rope and then her licks, like lips, licking her lips. And then yeah. like she's so excited, so excited, pulls the rope, blood 
everywhere. Yeah. And then you have that sort of silence and then the immediate gasp of everyone like, and she's horrified. And then PJ Soul's character starts laughing and then other people start laughing. But then it's, it's so then, and then Tommy, you get this, this slow motion shot of Tommy. You're like, like, what "What the the hell? hell? Yeah. And then the button bucket comes and hits Tommy on the head and I I assume knocks him out. I think so. I think that's what we're supposed to think. We think he knocks him out. Yeah. So, but it's weird because you get. Norma, who's PJ Soul's character, laughing, and mm-hmm. then you get these other kind of people laughing, and then it starts going into people who I don't think are laughing, but Carrie sees them in I her agree. head is laughing. I agree. Like the teacher's not laughing, Correct. the principal's not laughing, but she thinks that everyone's laughing. Because I think the real indicator of that is the last one in that shot. Yeah, and it's like that weird sort of kaleidoscope mm-hmm. effect is that Miss Collins is seen as laughing. Right. And when it first happens, Miss Collins' face is like oh, there's no way that just happened. And then all of a sudden it cuts to her laughing in that weird kaleidoscope shot. And yeah, I think at that point it's like the madness is taking over and you hear Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie had warned Carrie before she left, like if you go, they'll all laugh at you. And she keeps hearing, they'll all laugh at you, they'll all laugh at you, they'll all laugh at you. Um, And there's a twang. And Carrie is gone. And she, yeah. And then it's you. You can tell for the first time when it starts to it start. It really starts to happen when um, Norma and a couple of other guys try to leave, and the doors open, and then they slam shut back in their face, kind of like pinning them, and they start screaming. And the your favorite Julia, the mass panic uh. starts across the prom, and then all the doors slam shut, and then she like cuts it so there's only this cuts the power, so only this red light mm-hmm. shows up. And it just, it goes crazy. Apparently this scene took them two weeks to film and you can totally see why because it's um, logistics of craziness and then she brings out the fire hose and the fire hose starts like, you know, hitting people and then the principal gets electrocuted because they come up on stage with the microphone. And it's all done, a lot of the sequences are done in the split screen effect. Yeah, so apparently Brian DePalmo wanted to do more split screen but felt like it was... Fucking, in this sequence? Yes. Or, okay. But it felt like it was it was ruining the flow of like what was happening. And so like dialed back the split screen because there's like Phantom of the Paradise is like all split yeah. screen at the climax. So, uh-huh. um, And I've always had a problem with Carrie leaving Tommy that he's just like out, passed out on the stage. But, but he's I, not. They carry him away. They, oops, sorry. You do see them carry him away because like they're being, the other students are carrying Tommy away because he's not on stage with her when she goes down. Like I think he was carried away to try and get out and then he's just lost in all that. Right. Well, I guess I, I guess I always feel like she thinks he's in on it too. And so like Probably. that's why she's like, uh, like everybody's out. Probably. Because, uh, yeah, one of the – so you see sort of all the different characters get it at various times. And at this point, um, Chris and Billy are outside the window looking in and seeing the horror and being like, the madness. Yee, okay, uh, we got to go. Um, but before Carrie comes down the stage – you know, and things start getting on fire or whatever. Miss um, Collins is trying to get out and can't and turns around and screams at Carrie and the basketball board comes down and like slices her in yeah. half. Smushes are pretty good. Yeah. And so that's when I feel like you really know that it's, she's just gone because yeah. at that point, like every, like everyone has to go. Like she's, it's not rational. It's and not, you, the fire in this scene's really, really great. And you can, there's so, I don't know how they did all these shots of Sissy Spacek, like really close to fire. She's really close to fire. Just covered in blood. Yeah. And, and so, coming out for everybody. Yeah. And they've got, you know, all these kind of well-known shots now of her like walking out of the gym in mm-hmm. a really long shot and like everything in the gym is in fire and she's got that crazy like physicality with her hands and fingers and Chris, spread out. Chris and Billy are, are driving away thinking they're getting away, for, getting away with it but yeah. no. But then also I really like that Chris being a completely evil mega bitch that she is is like 
you know, driving away from all that. And you would like count your lucky stars, right? But no, she sees Carrie in the road. And I feel like she tries to run her over. Yeah, she definitely wants to run She's her like, over. She's like, oh, okay, yeah. I couldn't kill you this way. I'm going to kill you this way. Correct. Uh, and then Carrie turns and they do, they have that great stunt shape or stunt sequence where the car like explodes and flips over like six times. And that's the they end get of theirs. them. They do get theirs. Um, and then she just walks home. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, kind of walks home. Um, and comes home to... A billion candles, which is never a good sign. When you walk into a house or a room and there's like a thousand candles burning, just walk out. And I would say too that this is sort of like a horror movie survival guide lesson. But at this point, Carrie is so snapped yeah. that there was that you have to be able to receive lessons and have the ability for your brain to process information. Right. And when to, you're that far gone, ain't no, nothing sinking she's in. She's totally gone. Um, so she doesn't at first see her mother, and so she just yeah, goes. They up, have Piper Laurie like in the back of this shot forever. Yeah, just and like she hiding does, out. Doesn't see doesn't her. Doesn't see all. her. Goes and takes a bath. Takes a bath, washes all the blood off, gets into her jammies um, after a hard day's prom destroying. Uh-huh. And um, and that's when she calls for her mother and sees her mother and just like, hold me, take care of me, have it be okay. And man, that monologue Piper Laurie gives about she, she you know, she only she only sinned once. But and I liked it. I liked I it. Liked His it. dirty hands all over me. <sighs> She's a crazy, crazy She's lady. So, so crazy. Her, her mom gives this monologue about how she was conceived, which sounds pretty gnarly, <laughs> um, and then uh, stabs Carrie in the back. Yeah. And skin Carrie like rolls down the stairs and uh, they have this... This, this crazy point of view cam of Piper Laurie coming down the staircase with a knife smiling. and she's smiling. There's no like, I have a knife and I'm going to face of pre-knife stabbing. It's just like, ah, and yay. this is how it all ends. Yay. She's like enthralled with it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and that's when Carrie, you know, is trying to get away and can't and uses her powers again and throws all the cutlery at her mother. And they have this, this, wrap around uh, where she's in the very same position that St. Sebastian's statue is that's in her little closet punishment hole. Yeah. But uh, also like when, so that, you know, they have all the, you know, this you know, knife go here, knife go here, knife go here thing. The sound that Piper She's kind of into it, right? It's, she's it's like a, in like, ecstasy yeah. every time she is stabbed. And I mean, again, we guess we'd have to ask her to be like, what is all that about? But That's it, it's, how crazy she but is. But it's like everything she could have – I mean, I guess you could sort of make this argument that she wants to die because then like everything that she's always sort of, you know, talked about will like finally happen for her like because she saves. She's super safe. She's right. just trying to save other people and her daughter. So she th- is finally going to go to that place. But the sound – she stopped like nine times and – Nine Nine times. times. Um, but every single time they – she makes this – like almost orgasmic noise that you're like, wow, Piper Laurie, you're so crazy. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> it, is, it is a penetration of sorts. I suppose so. I and she I liked it. Yeah. No, fair play. Yeah, our producer just brought up a good point. It's the only penetration she is what? okay with. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I know. so that happens. And, Shake uh, that off. But, but um, then Carrie, you know, has this moment of like, oh, it's her mother and comes and like takes her down. Yeah. Um, and the house starts to implode basically itself, and yeah. catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we assume it's just Carrie, Carrie's mental ability yeah. has just gone so haywire that mm-hmm. it just takes everything down with her. Cause uh, I feel like she has that moment where she does it for sort of self-preservation purposes, but then I think it really sinks in that she has killed her mother. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if, if sort of her powers are tied into her emotional well-being, right. 
you're going to feel pretty emotional about that, even if your mom was crackers. And so I feel like that's what brings the house down ultimately, because that's almost like emotions that she can't control at all. Right. Um, is that kind of like grief and rage and, you know, yeah. So then, uh, then we cut to Sue Snell, who's sleeping and her mom's, you know, taking care of her and mm-hmm. we get the shot where she's like our only source. She's our final girl, yeah. basically. And the crazy thing about it is like, you think about from Sue's point of view is like, all of this could have been avoided if she hadn't asked Tommy to take her to prom. Like she wouldn't have known that. She thought she was doing yeah. something nice. And yeah. in fact, it like ended up killing everybody she knows. Right. So from or her point Chris of view. Or Chris hadn't been a massive jerk. Well, yeah. You know. But yeah, but it's interesting. There but are it, sort of like, but if not for this, but if not for that, but right. if not for, there's a lot of that in this movie. Uh, so we get the the one of the first horror movies to do the kind of like gotcha ending kind yeah. of thingy where she, or, uh, Sue goes down to lay flowers on the grave it's sort of like the, the house for, remains for of, sale sign and someone has written carry white birds in hell on there yeah as she goes to put the flowers down carrie's hand comes out grabs yeah. her yeah and then she like wakes up and she's like freaking out and yeah it's only, it's only a dream it's only a dream um but yeah that's sort of like your last gotcha scare in this movie i don't find that very scary to be honest but i don't know maybe at the time time and a place but brian de palma's direction in this is aces yeah uh and the movie would not be what it is without him mm-hmm. and right on for him this movie also came out three months after his other his previous movie called obsession oh okay it's like three it was like obsession and three months later it was carrie uh-huh. he was just like all the brian de palma all yeah, the time back to back um and fun fact this movie premiered on halloween in 1976 oh really on a double feature with a red fox vehicle called norman where are is that you that's the name of it. I wonder which one came first. I don't if, know. If you started with Red Fox and then you went into this movie, I feel like oops, I feel like the end of this movie would freak you out completely. You know You're what like, I mean? Oh, because Red Fox, everything is fine. Everything's okay. Everything's out, you know. Um, because there's yeah, like I said, there's so many parts of this movie that are just like super normal that just mm-hmm. kind of feel like, oh, any high school, whatever, but it's with the Stephen King twist. So it's terrifying we love you stephen king thanks stephen king thanks for all of your great books and movies (laughs) um all right so we have on our gore factor and movie ratings um gore factor is uh one to five one is not enough blood to fill a dixie cup two is puddle of blood three enough blood to gross out the average viewer four bathtub of blood and five is run for the barf bag um and we gave carrie three there's some blood action in this. There's a lot of blood action, but I feel like that's the main thing. Yeah. It's just it's just blood, basically, right? Yeah. It's just all blood all the and time. And the knowledge that everybody inside the gym is fried. Yeah. I guess Miss uh, Col- Miss Collins gets hit with the gar- with the basketball. Right, thing. but I feel like they're not this movie is not really like but you see her guts and other things. Right. It's just like blood comes out and she falls. Yeah. And then even like when Piper Laurie dies, it's just stab, 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 blood. There's a little bit of blood. It's just blood, yeah, it's just blood in this movie. A three, a three. Yeah, but it's a lot of meter. blood. Yeah. Um movie rating is zero to five chainsaws. One if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film, three seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby, and five is fantastagorical. Um, and we both gave this a four. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Yeah. What do you think's lacking in Carrie for you? I don't know. I think I. St- it's interesting because I feel the first time I saw this movie, especially with the opening sequence being so much a product of everything that came after that, I was like, are you kidding me with this opening shot? Like, come on, Brian De Palma. And I think now kind of looking back on it, if it's really, if that sequence is using nudity, 
and you know the slow motion or whatever as part of the lulling that this movie comes like oh this does. is going to be like sexy shower room kind of movie or yeah or it's just more sort of like female coming of age because so many sort of female coming of age stories is a lot about sort of women discovering their sexuality and their bodies and being comfortable with themselves and like literally becoming women if that's kind of what it's you know kind of that's the that's the false sense of security right um then you know, but I I don't know. I think it's some, I'm I sort of am now leaning towards the latter, but it's I'm a little torn. I'm still not kind of quite sure. About I guess that. for me, like I don't I find this movie really it's a really solid film, mm-hmm. and I think all of the, the script's great, the direction's great, the acting's great. I just don't find it particularly scary. Okay, like it doesn't scare me. Yeah, really. I can see that. Like mm-hmm. it's a it's like a drama with supernatural elements. Actually, almost. I think that's very true. Yeah, I mean there is a lot of blood, so I'm sure some people are, are like, "Are you kidding me?" But yeah, you're right. It does play out a lot more like a drama than perhaps like a traditional horror film. And I think the book is interesting because, like in the book, you get so much you literally get to see into Carrie's head and like what she's thinking during all of this, mm-hmm. and you can't really do that with a film. Yeah, or they chose not to do that. And yeah. so I feel like if you were more in like, what is she feeling? What is she thinking during this? That might be a little bit scarier. I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. I do think, though, that, I mean, Sissy Spacek does do a great job of communicating a lot without saying, but I think they also make the conscious choice to put her especially the other sort of opening shot of this movie of them playing volleyball. Mm -hmm. And so all the girls are being very active and trying to do all this stuff. And she just kind of moves awkwardly. Like she looks like that girl that I'm like, don't, don't hit it to her. Like she's never gonna, you know, and that's a great kind of metaphor for her in this movie where they're constantly putting her in places where she looks weird. Like she looks like she doesn't belong. Like she looks like even the, the way in which they dress her and shoot her, she's sort of this weird kind of bird, like, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of woman that doesn't look, you know, and everyone else is sort of very confident and womanly and, you know, um, so it's much more seeing her in her surroundings rather than like, if I was just in her head and her thoughts, I don't know. Yeah. Just been a different choice, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening guys. Mm -hmm. Um, you can find us on online on all the social medias, the Instagrams, Twitters, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, we would appreciate a review on iTunes. If you are interested in such things that helps people find us. Um, so yes. And uh, so, it. thank our you for us. this. Is, this ends our Stephen King Orama. Yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed reviewing some Stephen King films. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all of December, we're going to be doing a horror comedy kind of uh, yeah, thing going we're on. going for it because there's not a, there's not a lot of successful ones, but I think we're going to show you guys some at least four that are super solid. Yeah, it's a hard it's hard to do comedy and horror together. It's really hard, but nobody does it better than American Werewolf in London. Yeah. So next week, join us to talk about John Landis's amazing film, yeah. American Werewolf in London. Well, you will get to see, the. you won't get to see it because you'll be hearing us talk about it. Yeah. But we'll talk about the greatest werewolf transformation of all time. Oh man, it is so good. So, so good. See you then. Yeah. Bye guys. <laughs>